Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by ZipRecruiter, who is currently looking for new coaches for the Milwaukee Bucks, Washington Wizards, and maybe even the Oklahoma City Thunder. 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within a day. They are the best at distributing your job to the best boards, identifying the right people, inviting them to apply. My listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS, my initials. Meanwhile, Hotel Tonight partners with awesome hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, which means you get amazing deals. 10 seconds, three taps, and a swipe to book. Hotel Tonight only shows you the best deals of the best hotels, whether you plan ahead or leave things to the very last minute. With Hotel Tonight's HT Perks program, the more you book, the better the deals get. Score amazing deals at incredible hotels. Download the Hotel Tonight app right now. Don't forget about the recapables. We have two recapables feeds. One has billions and a land on it. The other one is called Westworld, the recapables hosted by David Shoemaker. If you're confused by every Westworld, don't be confused anymore. David Shoemaker and his cast of Ringer Friends is there to help you. We also launched the Dave Chang show last week. It was a roaring success. We have another episode coming this week. People seem to really enjoy the pre-opening diaries. And uh, if you haven't subscribed to that, subscribe on Apple or Stitcher or wherever you get your pods. Ringer NBA, we're going to mess around with some nighttime podcasts this week. Did one last night, Sunday night, Heat Check with John Gonzalez. That went up late night. Tonight, Kevin O'Connor, Chris Vernon, they're taping Monday night. That's will be in your, uh, wherever you get your pods, early Tuesday morning. You can listen in bed at the gym, in your car, on the train, however you, however you get your pods. I'm not judging you. Check that out. Don't forget to check out TheRinger.com. We are covering NBA playoffs, the Avengers. Lots of Avengers stuff. Kyle, did you see the Avengers yet? No. Kyle's, <laughs> Kyle's doing stuff all week. I'm not judging Kyle either. Uh, the Avengers, people are fired up about it. Who's in the Avengers, Kyle? Why are you doing this? <laughs> How many? Is Captain America? Yeah, I think so. I'm this out on bad. all this superhero movies. Yeah, Kyle's out too. Anyway, the ringer.com, they are not out on the Avengers. They're ready to read, read about it, talk about it, all that stuff. And uh, you can check that out on the ringer.com. Coming up, we are talking to Joe House about a bunch of unsettled NBA stuff from round one and a slight look ahead to round two. And then my buddy Jacko is going to call in and we're going to talk about the Yankees, the Red Sox, and more importantly, the dramatic return of the Pope, Mike Francesa. That's all coming up first, Pearl Jam. On the line right now, Joe House, host of Shack House, host of House of Carbs, um, sitting out round two of the Eastern Conference Finals. His team, the ugly stepchild of the East Coast sports scene, gets to watch Philly and Boston, two cities that I think Washington at once upon a time felt like it had a rivalry with, but now is just kind of on the outside, freezing in the 20 degree weather, um, just watching other people have fun. Is this the lowest moment of Washington DC sports or has the Capitals um, being alive uh, tempered that a little bit? Yeah, come on. It's not uh, a low point for, for Washington sports. The Capitals are still playing. It's going to be May. Yeah, but you're going to lose. You lose to the Penguins every year. You, you know, you're going to lose the Penguins series. 
Pr- probably, but still, we're, we're, we're still in the playoffs. There are two teams made the playoffs. Great. One of those teams is still playing in May. The bar is very low. Just remember. I mean, first of all, by the way, it's not 20 degrees here anymore. It's beautiful. We're going to get some, it's going to go straight from winter to summer, which is, you know, where we're at right now. But that, that's fine. Spring is in the air. We're happy. It's always fun not to have a spring. The, uh, the, the, the Philly thing has to hurt. Philly's having a moment. Philly won the Super Bowl. Philly has this Sixers thing that we uh, we jumped on the bandwagon at seven to one, and now it's plus one twenty five for to win the East. And it just seems like Philly's having a moment, and DC has not had a moment for a long time. You have to admit that. Well, DC, there hasn't really been a, a rivalry with Philly uh, in a long time. It's very episodic. The rivalry there have been. Uh, Washington professional football team Eagles moments over the years, you know, the NFC East, you basically hate everybody in it. Uh, yeah, but it, there, there hasn't really been any kind of sustained, uh, animosity between the cities. The best you could come up with is probably like the caps and the flyers. There was a time in the early two thousands, but you it's know. so sad. How, so, how far away is it? Like 90 miles? It's, it's a, uh, maybe a smidge more than that, but it's close. Yeah. Less than two hour train ride. That's embarrassing. It's it's the worst rivalry of all the rivalries that should be a rivalry. Why 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 is that? Why is it a bad rivalry? Because you just you just explained for three minutes why it's a bad rivalry. <laughs> you say you say there's <laughs> no animosity between any of the it teams. It doesn't need to be a rivalry. Why not? I, I don't understand what what the point See, is. People in Washington can't we? Like, we just have our very sports. modest. We we want to do our thing and try and get good at our stuff. We don't need rivalries for it. worried about you? <laughs> Just we're only worried about us. That's it. Look in the mirror. That's 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 our motto here in Washington. Yeah. Well, that hasn't worked. Maybe you should start some feuds. <laughs> it worked. We the 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 Deadskins made it to the uh, won the NFC East two years ago. Oh, congratulations! Yeah, <laughs> that's it. It's really we sad. hang our hats on the, on our modest victories. It really you're running out of cities that have it worse than Washington DC for sports. I, I, I think know. you're in denial. Let's let's really talk this out. When was when was your last title? What title? Of any sort? Yeah, 9091. The Deadskins in 91. Unless you count um the Maryland Terrapins NCAA victory in 2000 or 2001, whichever year that was. So there's a the 30 Terps won the NCAAs. No, I'm not counting that. The 33 <laughs> there's a 33-year-old fan who grew up in the DMV right now who has no idea what it feels like to win a title. Is what you're telling me. I feel really bad for that fan cuz it's been an especially tough 33 years. It's been the Dan Snyder era. It was uh, the finger guns version of of the the almost bullets was in there. Of, the, the the crushing disappointment of the Alto Vechkin era is in there. I was going to say twenty different Capitals disappointments, um, some <laughs> Nationals letdowns, the uh, everyone in DC turning on the Orioles even before you got a team that happened. The Ravens won well, the two Orioles Super Bowls. It. The Ravens won two Super Bowls after they moved there. That's just the Cleveland Browns. Congratulations. It's pretty rough. I don't know. I I, I think you're handling it too well. It kind of scares me, actually. It's like... I'm telling like, you, the, the sun is out. Uh, Momofuku here in D.C. Had a, had a pit beef and crawfish boil yesterday. I mean, there's plenty of things to be happy about here in D.C. The, the White House is going great. 
<laughs> might, might as well be on Mars. <laughs> I don't even care. That doesn't even count as Washington, D.C. What do I... We're going to talk about Celtic Sixers in a second, but I, I did want to spend two minutes talking about a classic wizard series that culminated in the quote I was waiting for from Markeith Morris claiming that the wizards were better than the Raptors. I was waiting for it. I knew it was happening. It finally happened. I don't know why he would think that everyone on the planet knew that this was going to be a series that Toronto won in five, six, and maybe even seven. Um, where, I didn't think where, that. Well, where you guys should have won some of the games, but you blew it and did dumb things like that. It was a lock. How was that not going to happen? That part was a lock. It was nice of once out of every three games, Keith to chime in since he decides to show up once out of, that must have been the press, the one out of every three press conferences that he decided to say something interesting at. Yeah. He's like one of those character actors in a cable drama that only signed a contract to be in five of the 11 episodes. That's how he approaches his basketball career. He, he play, that's exactly the way that he plays. We have somehow we have the better brother now, the Celtics. And he's a roller coaster ride too. He, he Yeah, let me be honest. This is uh I don't want to encounter either one of them in person because they're both big, tough, mean mother effers. Yeah, they would be uh, they by would, appearance. They would hurt you. How about this? The Morse brothers stink. <laughs> <laughs> How much more do I have to watch of the of, you Marcus know half ass effort? Now Marcus Marcus has been good on the Celtics this year. He did his problem is he he always thinks he's the best guy in the court, which is his, the best quality for him and the worst quality. President Stevens had to drag that out of him. I mean, he's been in the league what now five six years, and we, it only took President Stevens. It, it, you know, it it took all of his his uh, resuscitation skills to drag this out of him. We're, let's hold that thought. DC, what happens with the Wiz? What do you do? You you have to pay like eighty five no million. You got Wall Beal and Porter for eighty five million next year. I, I I honestly have no idea. There are at least six, if not seven, NBA teams that were in these playoffs that now feel like they're in an absolute no man's land. And I just have the obviously my my Washington almost bullets fit that category. Uh, yeah, but at I, least I'm not sure how. At least you have Beal and Beal and Porter who are young guys. Porter's contract's too much, but I like Beal and I let his contract's fine. And then uh and somebody would be dumb enough to trade for a while. There's a young core that that you can kind of get yourself excited about. Wall, Beal, Porter, Sadaransky, Ubre. Oh boy. You know, they're 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 man. You're just damaged. You're just damaged. <laughs> this is Sadaransky. Right? Let's th- let's he, throw him into the core. Sadaransky. You know, he, oh, he yeah. couldn't beat out Ty Lawson. I want somebody to to do a deep dive. You need we need one of the Ringer investigative reporters to go to China and do an investigation as to what happened with Ty Lawson in China between Ty Lawson and Scotty Brooks that they made some kind of deal. Something happened in China. Ty yeah. Lawson came over here and immediately is playing. You know, twenty five minutes a game. He's getting every single minute. They the the almost bullets cultivate their bench throughout the season to 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 try and address the obvious glaring deficiency of last year, yeah. which was bench depth. And then as soon as the playoffs come up, Ty, Ty Lawson, China Ty is is getting China all tie. the minutes that the bench got. What what the f is going on here? Your coach was I mean, fortunately for him, Joe Prunty was also in the playoffs, so he he wasn't the worst coach around one. Billy Donovan wasn't great either. Um, there was bad coaching. Like, you know, I, I tweeted this What's, yesterday, so apologies for repeating it, but I 
you know, I've loved basketball my whole life. I played basketball. You've loved basketball your whole life. You've played basketball. I've never seen anything dumber that worked for two weeks than Cleveland doubling Victor Oladipo 40 feet from the basket and Indiana having no idea how to solve this. This is like my daughter was in a eighth grade title basketball game and everybody was seventh grade or lower. And we had a point guard who was our star. And this is what the team that we played in seventh grade basketball did. And it kind of worked, but then we figured out how to adjust and put people in the right spaces this is an NBA basketball game in the playoffs and they had no idea how to, how to address it or fix it. I, I just can't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I feel bad. I feel bad for all the disrespect I showed Indiana over the course of the season. On the other hand, there were, there was two f- fatal flaws, maybe three. Uh, Lance Stevenson. Yeah. Um, he can't, he, Dave, Dave Robbins. They just never had anybody other than Oladipo. Way too much Darren Collison. Like, you, you can't be saying, oh, Collison didn't have a great game, so the Pacers lost. Like, what? what yeah, he's Darren about? Collison. He's been on eight teams. Yeah. And then, yeah, there was a couple Lance moments, especially last Sunday night, the, uh, the game four that Cleveland pulled out on those Corver threes. When Lance came in and he's just like a runaway freight train sometimes. And it's actually, I mean, this isn't rocket science to say this, but it's not detrimental to his team sometimes. <laughs> I mean, it is that's <laughs> detrimental. Live by the lance. I mean. You live by the lance, you die by the lance. Yeah. And, and you know, I think Indiana's at a really interesting point right now because I don't think they can play Turner and Sabonis together ultimately. I think they have to pick one of those two guys. And I think both of those guys have trade value. So the move, if I were them, I would shop Turner this summer. And try to get one more dude. That you mean like, well, they they did a great job. Maybe they would take Mahinmi back. They have all that experience. They know just how to use him. I don't think Jan, Jan Mahinmi. Anybody? I don't, I don't think Jan's on the table. But <laughs> what about uh, a Porter makes too much money? You can't even trade him. I was going to say Porter and Turner in a trade would make sense to me, but I, there's no way those salaries match up. But they need to turn turn. They need to turn Turner into a wing. Cause I think they'd be able to get a lot more for him than Sabonis. One of the things I was thinking, I just think there's going to be good guys available this summer. I think it's going to be a, a, uh, a unique summer. Um, but they're not as screwed as OKC is though. Indiana's well, in, Indiana in great shape. Right. Indiana has cap space and guys to trade and a future superstar in Old Depot who I voted fifth for MVP this year. I look at the OKC situation. I have no idea how they fix that. Well, this is, I have seven teams that kind of fit that, that category. Yeah. Uh, maybe six. Maybe I'm not being charitable enough to Minnesota, but those teams are Oklahoma City, Washington, Portland, Milwaukee, Miami, and the San Antonio Spurs. So and Portland, I agree with, so Portland, that moves easy, right? They, they have to pick between Lillard and McCollum and I don't think they'll have the balls to trade Lillard. So they have to, they have to move McCollum. With, what about Miles? What about Miles Turner for McCollum? Is that... Yeah, because I don't know how, how McCollum and Oladipo fit together. Although maybe they okay. would, but if if um, we, we just said a wing, would they need a wing? McCollum yeah, but, can play wing. But the thing is, Portland needs what Portland needs to do is trade McCollum's contract and also put another contract in the trade and get back a pick and a lesser contract because they got to get under the tax. So it's almost like you get CJ McCollum, but you also have to take Evan Turner. That's how I would be thinking if I if I was Portland, and then get That's back. That's the murder of my team. My team needs to get under the tax, also. 
Well, you need you need somebody who's dumb enough to say John Wall is a superstar and we could build our team around him. It's basically That's like rude. You need your version John- of the Blake Griffin trade. No, it's doable. Like Detroit was well, John- like, hey, we should we could build our team around Blake Griffin and gave away a lottery pick and a really good contract in Tobias Harris and um and Boyan, who's an expiring next year. Now they're stuck with Blake Griffin for four years. Yet you need to foist John Wall on somebody. Remember the curb episode? But like, <laughs> if you like, if you did a John Wall for Kemba and Cody Zeller oh, type type thing, no, 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 no. What do you mean, no? no? Way. Why? I don't. No, I don't need uh, uh, Charlotte Detritus, Detritus, Detritus. You whichever. you can't pay John Wall mid thirties million dollars in two years. You just can't. You can't succeed I, that way. And you need a well, coach. I don't understand Get why a better coach. not. That's the answer. Correct. Right. You just hit the nail on the head. We need a better coach. Here's the argue, the problem I was having over the last three weeks to a month. I, I went to people and said, name me one thing that separates Scotty Brooks from Randy Whitman. Tell me one thing. Right? <laughs> and Randy all we Whitman could come was up taller? with was Whitman's taller. That's the best we could come up with. It's the best wow. we could do. Scotty wow. dresses a little bit better. Why can't you just bring in David Fisdale? Or maybe he's... That would be great. I'm in. Sign me up. We need a new GM too. Hold on. We're at it. I want to talk about OKC. We're going to take a break. All right. Every BS Podcast fan knows that I love FrameBridge. They make it super easy and affordable to custom frame your favorite things from art prints and posters to the photos on your phone. I can't think of a better friend on Mother's Day. Go to framebridge.com, upload your photo from your computer or directly from your Instagram feed for them to print. If it's a physical item like ticket stubs, art prints, or posters, they'll provide secure prepaid packaging so you can mail it in for free. Their expert team custom frames your item in days, delivers your finished, ready-to-hang piece directly to your door instead of the hundreds you'd pay at a framing store. Their prices start at $39. All shipping is free. FrameBridge has thousands of five-star reviews. They even offer a happiness guarantee. If you aren't 100% satisfied with the order, they'll make it right. If you've seen any of the posters I have in my office, in the Instagram photos when I have guests, they are all done by FrameBridge. They are fantastic. Order a custom gift for any mom in your life right from your phone. Go to framebridge.com and use promo code BS to save an additional 15% off your first order. Just do it. It's Mother's Day. Come on. Come up with a gift. Framebridge.com, promo code BS. Back to house. All right, we're back. Um, all right, so you had the Milwaukee thing. That's a real danger zone for them because unhappy Giannis is eventually not going to be a good thing for them. And it won't happen this year. And I, I actually feel like after having watched every minute of that series and rooted against him and all that stuff, he's still a, a year, maybe even two from being who he's going to be. Sure, as, sure. I think it's so early in the Giannis. I think he's going to win the MVP probably in the next three years, but he, there's still a lot that he needs to figure out about a basketball game and the flow of it and a playoff game and things like that. The problem for him is the team they, they were putting around him combined with the, with the, with the substitute teacher coach, that was the best case for the Celtics to win the series. It was just like Brad Stevens is better than Joe Prunty and we have home court. And that's actually how they won the series with the, just yeah, those true. two things. That's right. I think that with Giannis, they cannot keep Jabari. 
And right. I actually think Jabari showed just enough in that series and is obviously somebody who needs the ball in his hand, hands and isn't somebody meant to just kind of stand there with when Chris Middleton and Giannis are tired of shooting. So they need to flip him into something. But they, they have so much dead weight. You know, Della Vadova, John Henson, they just have guys who they're just throwing away, you know, $40 million on their salary cap for guys who aren't worth a damn. And then Bledsoe, I listen, the series is over. So, and when the Celtics won, so this isn't sour grapes. I thought Bledsoe was like the worst kind of guy to have in a playoff series. And the best kind of guy when you're going against him, he's just, he, he tried intermittently. He really only tried on offense. He tried every once in a while on defense. He was better when they were up 20. When they actually needed him, he was a no-show. Um, in the fourth quarter, it was so weird hearing Barkley praise him after the game. I, I really respect Barkley. And he's like, you know, Eric Bledsoe showed up tonight. I'm like, Eric Bledsoe's the reason the Celtics won. He wasn't guarding anybody. In the fourth quarter, the his defense was atrocious. There should be a name for for what he became. He's a he's a prime example of a player with talent arriving in a rebuilding situation <laughs> at exactly the wrong time and catching loseritis and, yeah. and not being able to get rid of that loseritis when when the lights come back on because he was everything he, he, he did like was he wrong. was still in Phoenix a bunch of those possessions. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, and and like. Feuding with Terry Rozier for no reason was stupid. All that did was get the, they had to win a game in Boston. Um, yeah. But it's just a lack of awareness. I thought he did a lot of hero ball. Like who does he make better on the Bucks? That's the other thing. You're the point guard. Who who are you making better on your team? Made nobody better. Um, and just had weird body language. You're supposed to be but a leader. The, There's the no leadership point, at right? all. That's yeah. the coaching point. That if, I mean, what if Fizz ends up there? Well, I watched that team and I saw a team that had zero leadership and zero chemistry and kind of made it work because not only is Giannis, you know, he's one of the five, six best players in the league, but Middleton is an assassin. He oh, was the big revelation for me in that series. I felt like every time he took a shot, it was going in. And he was, he was the lights came on and he was ready for it. They need to flip Jabari and figure out how to get some sort of guard. I mean, they have to play Jason Terry in a game seven. <laughs> Jason Terry wants to come back next year. By he the shouldn't. Way. He shouldn't have played one minute in that series. And yeah, yeah. and that, the key to them in that series, which Prunty only inter intermittently realized, was how much can we get from Jabari? I just would have played Jabari thirty five minutes a game and let him take his lumps because they couldn't have won that series without him. You needed three guys. Yeah. They only had two. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But I don't know. I you know they have Giannis, which is great. Maybe they have to sacrifice Middleton to get rid of a salary and bring somebody a little different in. I wouldn't. I don't know what their I I think their chemistry stuff could be solved by a great coach. And if I was a great coach, I would want to coach Giannis. Um, yes. So I, I'm not as worried about them. I think Portland's moves are fixable. I think your moves, you're fine. You you need a better coach too, and maybe you need to trade John Wall. The OKC situation, I don't see how it's fixable. And unless, so the the key with with Westbrook is, why did he resign last summer? What what was did was anything in place last September that made him want to commit all that money? Did they promise him anything? Did they? Is there a Paul George deal already in the works? I have no idea why Paul George would go back to that team. I, I'm right there with you. I, I mean, just I can't he, think he gets, of a single reason unless they agreed to it a year ago. 
Well, well, I, you're not allowed to agree to it uh, the previous year, so they'd be facing a, a Joe Smith kind of uh, you know penalty situation. I hope that that's not what's well, at play you could, here. Well, you could wink, wink it, but but he could also back out of it and back out of a wink, wink and just do whatever the hell he wants. That team Which has is won, exactly what he should do. They've won three playoff games in the last two years. They have a guy in Westbrook who is this electrifying talent who would be one of the least fun people to play with <laughs> in a playoff game when he gets into that mode of, all right, fuck it. I've got this. Get out of my way. I'm going to shoot 43 times. Like I was tweeting this during the game. There's no track record ever in the history of the NBA for somebody shooting that time and their playoff team continually succeeding. And people are like, well, it happened once with Jordan. And it's like, what? Yeah, it's, this is, this is what he was doing when their backs were to the wall. He was like, here's our best solution. I'm going to shoot every single time. And I'm going to play all the time. I'm going to play every minute. Nobody else is going to do anything. You guys are going to stand around until I decide that I'm going to get you involved. It was breathtaking. It was amazing to watch, but there's no track record of it ever working. It's never worked, ever. Yeah, because it doesn't work. Because it doesn't this work. Is the just, this is the just desserts for Oklahoma City. And by the way, I know I've, I've done this rant many, many, many times, but all the hoops perverts out there, I want to publicly, can, can, is there a way to dig up everybody that voted for Westbrook as MVP last season? Make Everyone, a list. Every, every media person that voted that way needs their credentials seriously examined. I want an examination of, of exactly you know who these people are and what the circumstances were under which they, they thought that a, that a guy and an approach to the game that produced f- three playoff wins in two seasons, and they shouldn't be won two this, games. They shouldn't be in one game five. That's right. That was ridiculous. Came back from a twenty-five point. Well, that's the that's the Westbrook. You know, no, that, but the go bear the, the, the go bear fouls were awful, and the and that was yes, embarrassing. Of course, because of course, I, as I as I discussed on my podcast before that game, I was like, I'm worried about game five because go bear can really be officiated any way the league wants, and if. You know, it's not a conspiracy. It's just like they'll see stuff on the video and they'll tell the refs, hey, man, watch out for Gobert when he goes in for that block. You got to call that. And it's in the refs' heads. He got just called on a bunch of touch fouls. It was stupid. But they were better and they should have won in five. It's embarrassing that Rubio got hurt in game six and OKC couldn't even really figure out a way to pull it off. And then, you know, I Paul George isn't an are we sure he's good candidate. But I don't yes, think he, he is. Well, he's, I, he's definitely no. A, but I, I mean, are we sure? That's what I mean. He's not an are we sure he's a good candidate. I guess my question is, are we sure you can win the title if he's your second best player? I mean, he. he uh, <laughs> what is his body of work since the injury that distinguishes him. This is the thing. I, I have a lot of empathy and sympathy. I have both of those feelings for, for Paul George and his situation because he came back from a devastated, yes, uh, devastating injury and has, you know, f- for extended periods, um, seemed to return to form. The problem I have with Paul George is, uh, and this is the problem I have with a lot of my guys here in Washington, I'm not sure he knows how to win. I don't know that he knows anything about winning basketball. 
Like, what's his pedigree that, that would would uh, suggest to you that he's going to be able to come into a situation and help that team, you know, reach its kind of highest possible ceiling? Oklahoma City won two more games this season than they did last season, right? With Melo and Paul George. Well, the this is something I said last week about Westbrook. And I don't think it's something we put enough thought into just when we think about basketball. And it's the difference when you watch somebody like Donovan Mitchell. Westbrook had never been the best guy on his own team until the year when Durant got hurt. He'd always been kind of the overachiever and the and the second guy. And he just, he'd never gotten those reps of, oh, I've been in this situation. Oh, I know what it's like to lead a team. And you can really see it. The, the thing that people don't seem to understand, and I, I see both sides of the Westbrook thing, and I'm I'm not really on one side or the other other than I don't care about triple doubles, and I don't think you're ever going to win a playoff series if your guy's shooting 40-plus shots in consecutive games. But the, the thing that I think is really important to understand is that he his solution to, quote-unquote, things are going wrong right now in this series or things are going wrong in this game it's to just do it himself. He doesn't That's have the, another plan. It's just, it's not like he doesn't go into these games going, I'm going to get Paul George going tonight. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get Adams. He's just like, I'm going to score every time and I'm going to play a hundred miles an hour and everybody will follow my lead. And that doesn't work. I think that's an indictment of Oklahoma City. That's an institutional problem. That's a mindset problem. That's a that's a long-range planning problem, right? If you work for a company where you had a star performer who, uh, you know, like a star salesman that like mm-hmm. nine, nine, t- nine months out of the year, um, you know, hit hit a, a 110% of the sales target, but basically um, couldn't get over the hump to bring you four qu- four quarters of, of sustained sales. Now, maybe this is a bad analogy, but you, you have to it. figure out how best to use that that talent. And the deal with the devil that the Thunder made, this is my estimation, was to unleash him on the 2016-2017 season. And that was a way of smoothing over all of the hurt of KD affirmatively choosing to right. leave that situation. Smart and I, move. I credit them with that, with it's that sa- strategy. It saved their it's franchise. Fun. That franchise moves yeah, if Russ exactly. leaves. Yeah, I'm with you. That's right. But the Paul George thing... I just don't think he's an elite offensive player. I hate to use these sports talk radio, elite QB, all that stuff, but I just don't think he's <laughs> Is he an, elite. I think he's a good three point shooter when he's open. I don't think he's a great offensive player. I don't even think he's a very good offensive player. And the stats back it up, you know, all the ana- analytics back it up. Of course we know it. We watched it. They didn't win that series because they couldn't make baskets. He's, I, you know, he was a fantastic defensive player before he got hurt. He's still very good, but he's also not the type of defensive player that's like Donovan Mitchell's torching us. I'm going to shut him down because he didn't. Nobody shut Donovan Mitchell down. No, but that's, I thought that's on paper. That's the kind of thing Paul George would do, right? Well, and I like, you know, slow him down, whatever. Now, all you have to do is take out Donovan Mitchell in that series and you win the series, period. The same should be true of Westbrook. Well, like, that's where the thing. Is that- Westbrook gets no shit for that. Westbrook, here's your challenge. Stop Donovan Mitchell. If you take out Donovan Mitchell, you win the series. You you have better players. And he chose Ricky Rubio. Rubio was the guy who was going to shut down. Congrats. It was weird. Hey, Westbrook. So here, here's the rub, just so, so it doesn't sound like Westbrook bash session. Um, 
what he did in that 25 point comeback in game five and the ferocity that he played with and how right. fucking crazy he was. I, I thought yes. that was one of the best things. I was so blown away by, it. I was like, wow, this guy is playing as hard as anyone I can ever remember. Like I'm going like vintage Jordan, um, any of LeBron stuff, any of the bird magic, all those dudes. I'm like, this guy is cares more and is trying harder than as hard as anyone I've ever seen in my life. But that's why he won the MVP. I know. But that the thing is, it's, this is the, that that's the best thing about Westbrook. And it's also the flaw of Westbrook because he doesn't understand yes. when he's doing that. The whole point of basketball is you're a team and everyone's involved. And if I, guys I, aren't I, involved I, and they're just sitting there as like ornaments, they're not going to play as well. They're just not. That's why Victor Oladipo sucked last year. He was an ornament. And I just don't think it's fair to keep hanging it on him. You know, I, no, again, it's the culture. I, I'm with you. I don't want this to sound like Westbrook bashing. And we both think um, he's amazing. I, it's just that yeah, what we watched I, the last two years is not going to produce a successful basketball team. Right. It's just disappointing because I'd love to see that talent channeled, you know, for the forces of good. I'd love to see it, you know, um, paired with a winner. I want to see some winning. And it's, and it's turned into a situation where if he doesn't have the basketball, he just quits on the play unless he can get an offensive rebound. But it's like, you can watch their offense. You go, oh, here's the Carmelo play. What Russ is just going to run over 30 feet from the basket and stand there. It's very easy to defend. And I think Carmelo is done. I don't think he's aged well. <laughs> is, that, is that your professional opinion? No, no, I I think it. I don't know it because we have a lot of evidence that these role guys playing in this Westbrook or Kobe or these got these ball dominating guys that some of them can't handle it and they get in their own heads and they're, and they need to play basketball with a certain feel game to game, half to half quarter, quarter oh. play to play. And mm. some of them are just bad at it. Cause the thing is, if you watched OKC, especially in the second half of the year, Carmelo was getting great shots. He was wide open on a lot of those threes. He was just not making them. So it's like, well, Didn't why is that? Them. Is he done? How does somebody lose the ability to shoot wide open threes? Are his legs gone? He's 33. And I, I just wonder if it was almost like uh, a mental thing. He's 28 million next year. Um, and I'm going to tell you what I think happens to him right after this next break. We're going to talk about the Black Tux really quickly. I wish the Black Tux had been around when I went to about 25 weddings in my 20s with high-quality rental suits and tuxedos delivered to your doorstep. TheBlackTux.com makes weddings or special events easier than it's ever been. They offer free home try-on. You can see the fit, feel the quality of your suit months before the event. It's completely done online. No trips to the tech tux shop required. No tailors with cigarette breath breathing all over you. After ordering, your suit will arrive 14 days before your event. And if anything is less than perfect, the Black Tux will send you a free replacement right away. Wear it, turn heads, send it back three days later. It's that easy. Shipping is free both ways. We've had multiple Ringer staffers use the Black Tux and they all loved it. Get started now. Visit theblacktux.com slash BS to get $20 off your purchase. Again, theblacktux.com slash BS. The Black Tux premium rental suits and tuxedos delivered. Uh, wanted to give a quick shout out to SeatGeek. You've heard me talk about SeatGeek for the last couple of years. They hooked up my daughter for the Justin Timberlake concert in Los Angeles that night. Her 13th birthday is coming up. Shoot me now. Um, but she had a great time at the concert. 
and uh, and SeatGeek was awesome. And that's why they've been great partners for the last couple of years. For $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on any game or sporting event, music, whatever you want, use promo code BS, download the SeatGeek app, or go right to SeatGeek.com. I didn't love how my daughter dressed for the concert last night, in case you're wondering. Um, we had our first, it's the style dad argument. I might disappear. I might leave the country for the next few years. Might do my podcast from some re- remote location that you won't know where it is, like Haralabop. I'll be like living with him in his in his uh, in his basement doing podcasts. Anyway, back to house. Here's how I think OKC is going to play this Carmelo thing. I think here are my predictions. I have no idea if I'm right or not. You ready? And then you make you make down. your predictions. Oh, you're sitting down. Keep your pants yeah. on. <laughs> I think Paul George goes to the Lakers. Me too. I think the only chance that doesn't happen is if he goes to the Sixers. Okay. And they they basically turn... I think the Sixers are going to realize at some point over these next six, six weeks that Covington is the spot they need to improve. As good as sure. his defense is, I just think he's the liability on that team. Everybody's got the one guy who's like, oh man, I hope he, I hope he doesn't get a little wonky in these games. And he's their guy. But anyway, I, I think Paul George goes to Lakers. And I think OKC moves immediately on a pressure slash buyout on Carmelo, where they're I'm basically right like, you. if you come back, you're coming off the bench. You're going to be our ninth man. You're going to play for eight minutes each half. And that's how it's going to go. And you can be as mad as you want. You can try to poison the situation as much as you want. But if you want to get paid, that's what we're doing this year. So, or option B is we'll buy out your contract for half the price. And you can go sign what whatever about you want. Option C, trade him to the Washington Wizards for Jan Mahinmi and oh. Marcin Gortat expiring. Oh. And if John Wall makes everybody better, I mean, he would get touches. Like what you're thinking. It's the best um, I could come up with. I can't give up both centers. Why would you want Carmelo? Just out of curiosity. Uh,. Just because it would be interesting. I honestly believe in the redemptive power of of John Wall. I, I think of uh, you know, what what he's done for for guys on the wing. Uh he's made a lot of wings, a lot of money over the years. Um, I think it would just be an interesting experiment. And I honestly don't have anything else to root for next season because it's, <laughs> it's gonna be a repeat. So I'm I'm just kinda up for anything. I mean, remember, I, I wondered aloud uh last off season whether Dwight Howard would be interesting here in Washington. Well you yeah, you did do that. And uh, it was one of the darkest moments in BS podcast history. <laughs> I wonder, um, I wonder, um, so could they trade Carmelo to a shit team that's doesn't care about next season and has cap space? Like what if the Hawks, needs- what if the Hawks said, we'll take his whole contract? No, it needs to be somebody that, that uh, where it's a draw for that city. Okay, so what are those cities? I don't know. Brooklyn? <laughs> like, I like Brooklyn. That's not a bad one. He's back in New York. There's nothing that he could do. No, not for the Spurs. Can't help the Spurs. It's I don't not have good. anywhere for him. Don't have anywhere for him. Would you trade Ryan Anderson at 20 million, one year of Ryan Anderson at 20 million for one year of Carmelo at 28? Sure. If you're Houston, that's, a, you would that's do not that. a bad deal. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I would. 
I just on the possibility. What if he can still shoot? You've 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 kind of opened you've opened my thinking up. Well, you just gotta look at the track record of why did these guys why did it, this recent slew of guys improve so dramatically as soon as they got out of OKC? I think it's worth at least kicking the tires on. I, fair uh, point. Who are your other teams on your list? The blow it up list? Uh, uh, Miami and the Spurs. So here's, I think the Spurs trade Kawhi to the Clippers. Oh my God. I did. Why? Why do you think that? Because knowing nothing, I think it's crazy that he didn't go to any of those playoff games. That tells me he's not coming back. What if he was really doing the rehab? We talked about this. No. I, I thought about what you said. <laughs> we did talk about it, and I've rejected it. I've rejected it okay. like a bad kidney. I think I think he That's wants fine. to leave, and I think he's going to pressure them to uh, to trade him. And I think he's going to pick a spot, and I think it's going to be- What can the Clippers give give the Spurs back? So if he says, look, I'm leaving in a year anyway, you can keep me, but I'm going to leave after the year. And they're like, fine, we'll trade you to this spot, this spot, this spot, or this spot. And then he does the Kyrie Irving and says, well, if you trade me to that team, I'm not going to resign there. And then his agent calls that team and says, hey, if if you trade for Kawhi, you're only getting him for a year. He's not going to resign. But if he, if he, if he's nudging them toward the Clippers... Now, if you're the Spurs, you go, fuck, all right, we'll, what a, we'll get Tobias Harris back, who I like Tobias Harris, by the way, but he's not Kawhi, Okay, obviously. looks good in a Spurs uniform, I can see that. And, they, and the Clippers have the 12th pick and the 13th pick. Ugh. So you get those Yucko. two, and you get a future unprotected lottery pick in like 2021, 2022, whatever, down the road, unprotected. Can't even put a top one protection on I would want that sooner. Because the Clippers are going to suck in the next couple of years. Well, that's the thing. The best thing you can do in the NBA is trade for a future unprotected pick from the Los Angeles Clippers. That's the best. Yeah, that's the agreed. best move you can make. Agreed. So, so if 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 I could do all of those things, I get Tobias Harris back. I can replace eighty percent of Kawhi's points. Obviously, not the D. But 80%? I can I can get the twelfth and thirteenth picks in this draft, and I get a future pick. So I can kind of rebuild on the fly. And then I have the cap space of, I got an extra like 8 million from getting rid of go, going from Harris to Kawhi. Maybe, maybe it's like 4 million. Um, I lose Parker. I lose Manu. So that's, I've, now I've saved another like 30. And that's when I go to LeBron James. Oh, interesting. But why would LeBron want to go there? He wouldn't. I'm just that. that okay. was, that's the All worst right. part of I my plan. It. It's the only part I haven't figured out yet. That's when Pop goes well, to LeBron. It, he's like, I, I want to come back and coach. I've had a rough year. I've wanted to come back and coach for the next three years. Come do this with me. I mean, here's the real thing with the Spurs. Isn't this the the right time for Pop to just hang it up? Yeah, hard to say. I mean, you know, it does. It does. What do you want to come back next year for? I don't know. Other than loyalty to his to to everybody in the organization, well, maybe but I, needs, it wouldn't make him disloyal to not come back. I just mean he would do that out of the sense of of uh, you know the love for the, that group. Yeah, and he, I don't know. I, I don't want to speak for him, but he, you know, when you have a loss like the one he had, maybe you need the family of the organization and the team to okay. keep you going. Right? That would be the reason. That, that yeah. makes sense. Um, but he's definitely getting up there in age. He's done everything you'd ever want to do is in basketball. Yeah. 
the basketball situation feels enough in flux. It's like, who needs this? Winning the 2014 title, arguably he could have left when Duncan left the next year. You know, I think he still loves it. I think well, my, my, I respect him hanging in with, with Parker and, and Manu. Like as long as those dudes are around, why not come back? Let me throw this prediction at you. And in in, are you sitting down still? I'm still sitting. Is this, am I going to marinate on this or am I going to have a, a I'm just going to throw right all this stuff. Hey, this is like an eight, 18 parlay of a prediction. <laughs> I love those. Kawhi to the Clippers. Okay. LeBron and Paul George to the Lakers. Hate it. Keep going. Steve Kerr retires and goes okay. and goes to TNT. Yep. Luke Walton goes to the Warriors. Fine. The Lakers hire David Fisdale. Sure. Boogie Cousins stays in New Orleans. I think that's going to happen. And um, the OKC buys out Carmelo for $14 million out of the 28. We haven't really shaken things up other than LeBron going to the Lakers. And I, I'm, I'm so against that. Oh, I left that. out. I just um, Jeff Van Gundy gets one of the jobs. Mark Jackson gets the other one. And Doris and Chauncey become the new A-team on, uh, on ABC with Mike Breen. Well, I like Doris and Chauncey. I'm fine with that. I wish we had them right now. <laughs> They're definitely better than me. Uh, I don't know. I God bless Hubie. He's been amazing. It's really hard for me to accept that Hubie has that number two spot over Doris at this point in life. I, I think that's just out of respect. I mean, maybe this is the end. Maybe there's something behind the scenes we're not aware really, of. Put Doris in the chair. She's ready. She's ready. We she's know been ready, she's ready for. We've heard her three to four years. Who else did you have on your list? The Heat. Hmm. Not sure. Which is really just a Hassan Whiteside problem. He really <laughs> damn near is playing his way out of the league. You mean the like, Washington Wizards, Hassan Whiteside? That is so not funny. Let me see if it but works that, in the that trade is mission. Kind of, that is, that's exactly what my my 15 year GM, my GM for life. Apparently, you have tenure here in Washington if you're a GM. Like a college professor, you can't fire him. He has tenure. Well, Ernie drafted the future of the Wizards, Sadaransky. Ernie, yeah, he did. He, he did. Yes, that's true. He did draft Sadaransky. Hold on, before we go, we got to look at. So Whiteside makes twenty three million, and Jan Mahimni makes sixteen million. Try this trade. <laughs> no, I have to adjust the trade. Let's see. Who do you want to throw in? Do you want to throw in Would Mike you, Scott? Would you throw Actually, in? I love Mike Scott. He's the best shooter on the team. I don't want to get rid of Mike Scott. How about uh, one last year of Marky of Markeith Morris? Yeah, oh, Stinky Morris. Can Jason go. Smith. I'm throwing in Jason Smith's contract. Try this trade. It's been a successful. Jan Mahimney <laughs> and Jason Smith for Hassan Whiteside. Congratulations, House. You did it. You're back. John Wall's going to throw I, him alley oops. It's going to be awesome. You're going to talk yourself into it in one day. I hate you. Who was the last team you had? You. Miami was the last. Oh, Minnesota's on borderline. Nah, they're they're they stick around for another year. The, the Jimmy Butler injuries. The Jimmy Butler injuries screwed that up. But 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 the problem is Tibbs. The Jimmy Butler I injury is directly linked to to old school Tibbs playing everybody. You know, forty seven out of forty eight minutes, and they they have a perpetual uh, Wiggins problem. What are they going to do with Wiggins? 
I wish this is where we need a consulting service for MBA teams. Why don't we do that? That's it, I'm going to launch a consulting service. I want to just be there as an impartial party for when Minnesota's like, hmm, we could either lock Andrew Wiggins down for $150 million or make him play for the contract this season. And even if another team comes in with a restricted free agent offer, we'll just match it and everything will be great. I wish they'd come to us with that house. Well, I wish somebody had asked my opinion on whether or not to match the uh, Nets contract that was offered to Otto Porter with all the poison pills and everything else. I would have let Otto walk. I like Otto. He, he he helps them win, but he doesn't help them win enough. Well, I that, think this consulting business has legs. I'm with it. I think they. I think you guys would have won the uh, Toronto series if he hadn't if he hadn't been health if he played. I know. I know. He was dinged. I know. That's right. He's talented. I love him. I mean, he just, was he's in, just overpaid. That's all. He was in that series. He played, yeah. Not he played limited minutes, and then he couldn't play in Game Six. He finally went and had the surgery. Oh, I was he being, hurt himself the second to last game of the season. I was being sarcastic that uh, pretending oh. that I didn't realize he played. <laughs> I, I saw him out there. It's just it was like the ghost of Otto Porter. Last thing, who do you have for? Uh, we think Warriors easily. Um, yeah, the, I think the Pelicans Houston easily. Pelicans had to win Game One. Yeah, they just no had chance. to. Uh, Utah, if Rubio had, if Rubio was healthy, I would like them at least to it would extend at least it a little bit more. Interesting, yeah. yeah, me too. It's too um, bad. Cleveland, Toronto. I'm sorry, Canada. I'm sorry, Toronto. But I can't imagine a scenario where LeBron loses to your team. I, I need to see it. I need to actually see it happen before I believe it's possible. Toronto's going to win a couple of games. This is going at least six, maybe seven. Definitely six. Yeah, it feels like the last series where Cleveland has the inferior team. But LeBron just pulls pulls the series out, just does it. Old school. Like it's like he's in that 97, 98 Jordan phase now where he's just winning these series he shouldn't win. And then uh Celtic Sixers, we both think the Sixers um I don't have them as prohibitive favorites because it's they're you know, they're still relying on two younger guys and the coaching matchup, who knows? But I would be shocked if Boston won the series. I thought Boston yeah, was gonna win the last series. I'd be shocked if they won this series. This is just the point where the talent disparity finally catches up with, yeah. with Boston. Yeah, exactly. We uh, just so we're not accused of being haters, we should talk about LeBron for two minutes before you go. Who's who's a hater? I love the yeah. Okay, great. I love LeBron. He was awesome. It's incredible. It's a really devious game plan to assemble a horrible roster that you can then carry and be incredible with. And then the narrative is either LeBron did everything he could possibly do to win despite this shitty roster that he had or LeBron lost. It was the roster's fault. It's really, it's smart. It's fucking smart. This is, this is, this all goes to your theory that he's leaving and that all of this has been orchestrated <laughs> no, behind I was, the scenes. To- I was doing the, I was doing the haters version of the LeBron argument. No, I, I think LeBron, that was one of the best series I've ever seen anyone have in my life. You can't was, argue. He it. was just, it was just unbelievable. He played the whole the first half. He minutes. Had, he had twenty six. He had like a twenty six seven seven in the first half and played all the minutes. The the, the minutes is the thing that's uh, unbelievable to me. I hope he went straight from the stadium into a hyperbaric chamber and stays there. Uh, I hope they can fly him in a hyperbaric chamber to Toronto, and then he doesn't come out until forty five minutes before the game starts. 
I think when he went back to the locker room between the third and fourth quarter, they actually poured the hemoglobin of various kids in the Cleveland area into his body. He just drank wanna, like a hemoglobin a, milkshake. <laughs> I hope they have one of those uh, Han Solo things like in Empire Strikes Back where they, where, where they freeze him in the inside of a thing and they just ship he that thing around. He probably did that. No, he probably went in a hyperbaric chamber for 90 seconds. <laughs> the guy's amazing. They, I, these Instagram videos he puts up of his workout routines are, I've never seen anything like it. He's got balls. He's balancing himself. He's carrying weights. They're like, their cars are driving at him that he's fending off. He's jumping from buildings. He's like, I'm making up the he's last truly day. superhuman, super, superhuman LBJ. At the stamina that he's had and Westbrook has had just so everybody knows has no parallel in the history of the league. I'm, no. I'm knocking on wood. I always, I, all I root for is that he stays healthy. Please stay healthy. Well, he's Toronto has nobody to guard him. I just want to point that out. Uh, his team is, is hot garbage. And the fact that Tristan Thompson, who was in the witness protection program for months and then played pretty well against a team that was surprised he was coming and didn't have the right people out there and, and came through and had that one block and reacted like he was anything was hilarious. Um, this- the scary thing for Toronto is how terrible uh, J.R. Smith and Kevin Love shot for that entire series. Or, like, or I whether, would be worried because they're... Yeah, the, 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 whether that's an aberration or whether that's who they are, though. I don't know. It's, historically, there's always a regression. I didn't, li- I didn't like what I saw from Kevin Love in, in the series, and he seems... Just doesn't seem like himself. Made a couple of big shots yesterday. Though the, it was funny watching everybody fall over all over themselves for George Hill yesterday. <laughs> Guy makes twenty million dollars a year, and 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 you know they they had to give him an epidural. Like I mean, it's like he was you know about to have a baby. His back is so bad. Yeah, but FYI, he's George Hill. He's hurt all the time. <laughs> what, what the fuck did they think was going to happen? This is the whole point. When the, the trade deadline pieces, which are are funnier by the month, uh, about how the Cavs saved their season, all this stuff. Where were all those guys in this series? Jordan Clarkson, Rodney play. Hood, Larry Nance. Rodney Hood. Rodney Hood. Talk oh, about a- oh, wow. Rodney Hood sucked in a playoff series. Oh, I wish we had no evidence. Oh, wait, we did have evidence of that a year ago. He sucked in the Clippers series. Yeah, that guy. So they they end up, they do all these trade deadline moves that eventually, that are allegedly going to save their season. And meanwhile, Jay Crowder and Dwayne Wade are playing, played much better round one than anyone they brought in. And then on top of it, when they, it was game seven, LeBron even said, he's like, we wanted guys who have been there and, you know, Tristan and JR and Kyle, these guys have been in wars. That's who we wanted to ride. That all makes sense, but that's also why you don't trade for Jordan Clarkson and Rodney Hood and Larry Nance, guys who have never been in big games in their lives. Maybe don't get those guys. There is a story to be had. I hope that, that we see it over the summer. What was going on in, in Cleveland that turned uh, Crowder into such a dick and made D. Wade want to go eat? We, 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 criticized, we ranked Cleveland as a 16th out of 16 NBA playoff food cities. D Wade found found a place to eat or two in in Cleveland during his time there. Yeah, D Wade ranked it as a top three food city for him because he sampled all the restaurants. <laughs> he sampled them all. That was embarrassing. Dwayne Wade should be. What embarrassed. was going on there? Why did those guys? Come on, Dwayne you Wade. know, and Isaiah Todd. Like, what happened? I why, don't know. Why but was it such a distasteful experience for all of them? 
I'll tell you, that's my question. The second trade, the George Hill trade is the trade they shouldn't have made. The Clarkson Nance trade I get, they got rid of Isaiah Thomas. You know, they you need to have Wendy or Dave McManaman on one of those two dick guys to come Wendy's on. Wendy's coming on. The- I, I'm going to make oh, Wendy good. come on this week. I was yeah, I was emailing with him. Wendy, we're overdue for a Wendy appearance. He's yeah. Ask him that question. What the heck was going on early in the season? Why did D Wade want to just eat? I mean, believe me, I understand. It's very relatable. It was funny. Instead of workout videos of him and LeBron, the videos were like of them drinking wine at 11 o'clock at night. It was like you and I hanging out. It was <laughs> like you life. and me at the Waffle House in Georgia at 1130. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, hey, I'm with LeBron. We're at the Waffle House. Uh, Dwayne, and then Dwayne Wade, goes to, Dwayne Wade goes to Miami and, you, and had the worst body fat percentage on the team. And Udonis Haslam like, had the what the hell is happening to you conversation. And then he was pretty good. Dwayne Wade should be good for like another four years. It's not like he's... Had like all these knee surgeries and stuff. He's been pre- he's been pretty lucky with injuries for the most part. He, he, that game that he won by himself was incredible. That D Wade throwback, I enjoyed it so much. You know, it was my favorite moment of of uh, the entire Bucks Celtics series was when I think it was Game Five. Shabazz Muhammad made his first two. <laughs> and it's a, normally Just your the name is hilarious. <laughs> normally, you're rooting against the opposing team making shots, but with Shabazz, um, or Shabazz, 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 Shabazz. With Shabazz, it's like he makes his first two and he thinks he's the best guy in the court. It's exactly who you want out there for the fourth quarter. It's It's called the Lance Stevenson rule. Yeah, I got this. Giannis, get out of the way. (laughs) We're good. (laughs) I'm back, baby. Uh, And then the other one who I just, I just irrationally detested was uh, Thon Maker. Who made a couple threes in a home game and then thought he was, you know, Sam Perkins in the mid nineties. It was like, keep shooting, Thon. Please. We have a game seven coming. I really want you to think you're gonna make all those. That team. I, a- I don't I don't blame Thon for that one. That's the coach. All right, House. Uh I'm sorry about Washington DC sports. I look forward to talking more hoops with you. Oh, plug uh plug any of your podcasts. Yeah, coming up this week on House of Carbs. Trey Zeller, a inventive and innovative bourbon purveyor. We're getting some brown liquor on mm. House of Carbs. I try, I'm gonna try not to be drunk for that one. Next week on the Shackers, we'll be doing a players, uh, the PGA players tournament is down in Ponte Vedra, Florida. Is and that sawgrass? Gonna, uh the players, yeah, Sawgrass is next week. That's why I'm going down there. Sawgrass is going down there on. That's my favorite and, course. And hit, I'm going to hit 50 balls into the water on 17. Uh, but hopefully, I think they're they're paying me in cheeseburgers to be down there. So that I think that's a W for me. I video game golf has kind of died, except for Golden Tee. But I will tell you, in the yeah. in the 90s, with uh, the PGA 94, that there was no put hair on your balls course more than Sawgrass. Well, having it like, played it, it, it was, it, you'd be up, you're playing a buddy and it's like, you could have the three stroke league heading into 17 and just hit nine balls in the water. You just don't know. It's true. It's, it's a bully. I left it. It stole all my lunch money when I played it. The most intimidating course or the most intimidating hole from the masters that I'm still thinking about was that 12th hole, the par three. I had no oh, idea sure, that hole was that hard. I, I can't so believe f- how small that green is. Yeah, the green is five inches by seven inches, and it's five hundred <laughs> like, yards away from the tee. Apparently, <laughs> it's like an optical illusion. I couldn't believe yeah, how hard is. that was. 
And then you walk yeah. over there and nobody's over there. It's silent. You're like in a ghost town. Yeah. Uh, all right. Nephew Kyle says goodbye. House, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, buddy. All right. We're going to call Jacko. But first, I've been shaving since college. In fact, Jacko used to make fun of me. He used to say it should have been a TV show of me putting the shaving cream on my face and watching me shave. That's how bad I am at it. You know what changed my life? The Gillette Fusion Ultra Sensitive Skin Shaving Gel. Also, I really enjoy the Gillette 5 Razor, which is pretty new. Five-bladed razor lubrication strip provides great gliding performance with less irritations. 15 soft microfins help create even and smooth shaving surface by gently stretching your skin. And a 360 aqua grip handle speaks for itself. Gillette offers a variety of shaving products for every guy, regardless of personal style, skin needs, or budget. And whether you want three blades or five, the new Gillette 3 and Gillette 5 razors have you covered all under $10. And if you're like my wife and you like using men's razors on your legs and not telling whoever you're dating or married to, you could do that too. Cause I know my wife does it and it's caused many, many a tiff in the Simmons house. High performance at a low price, get Gillette performance delivered to your door. Find Gillette five at ondemand.gillette.com. Subscribe today. Let's call Jacko. On the line right now, America's sweetheart, Jacko. How are you? Good, buddy. How are you? Are you? Uh, have you fully reconciled the fact that Didi Gregorius is now the best shortstop in Yankees history? That's got to hurt deep down. <laughs> Gregorius one, Jeter two, Rizzuto mm. three, Lazari four. What do you have? What's your ranking? <laughs> well, Jeter is still at the top, obviously. Let's, let's not get crazy. And, and first of all, if if calling me for a podcast today is an attempt to jinx the Yankees winning streak, it's it's really unnecessary because Sonny Gray is pitching tonight. So <laughs> there's really no need to j- try to jinx me because I think the streak ends today. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm amazed by what Didi has done. I mean, if you had told me that he was going to you know, be tied with Trout for the lead in home runs, have been the hero of multiple games, and, and be seemingly impossible to get out uh, you know, on April 30th, I, I would have, if you told me that a month ago or several months ago, I wouldn't have believed it. I mean, I knew he blossomed last year, had a phenomenal year, 28 home runs, I believe, which was the record for a Yankee shortstop. And um, he's only gotten better. It's really, It's really an amazing start. I'm not going to go crazy and say he's better than Jeter. We're not there yet, but he, he's been an amazing, amazing replacement for Jeter. Better than I ever could have hoped, certainly. I think amazing is the right word because I was looking at his home run totals year by year. Right. Um, seven in 2013. Uh-huh. Six in 2014. Uh, a whopping, yeah. A whopping nine in 2015 for the Yanks. 20 in 2016, 25 of last year, and 10... This year, I have a question. Has he peed in a cup that everyone has seen and taken to the right right scientist? What's the deal with I'm that? Sh- I'm sure he has. He has been helped. Obviously, Yankee Stadium helps. Um, and he's certainly been helped this year by batting in between Judge and Stanton because he's seeing more pitches. Oh. So I think that's been humongous for him. It sounds like humongous is definitely a word I would use. Yeah, there you go. What uh? What else have you been delighted about with this Yankee season? Well, it started off a little shaky, but I, I've been delighted over the last, let's say, week and a half, two weeks. So, I mean, their lineup is is as advertised. There's there's nobody you can you can pitch to, um, and and that's before Stanton and Sanchez have really gotten 
as hot as, as hopefully they will be. Uh, I've been extremely pleasantly surprised by the uh, the rising of Miguel Andujar. That's how you pronounce his name. It's not Andujar. It's Andujar. Mm. Uh, he's been huge. I mean, you know, they keep they pop up these stats about his extra base hits that he's had in his in his first X number of games, and it's like only he and Lou Gehrig and Mickey Mantle. And anytime you're watching Yankees broadcast, they're like, he's the first guy to do that since Gehrig or Mantle. You're an obviously phenomenal company. Yeah. So he's been great. And uh, Glaber has been as advertised. He's been red hot. And it's really leading to a situation where the Yankees are going to have some semi-embarrassment of riches because they're doing all this with Greg Bird uh, on the DL, and he's obviously counted on to be a big part of their lineup. And then he's going to come back. And, and Tyler Austin, before he was suspended, he's got five home runs and has been huge in some big spots. So it's really a good situation to be in where, you know, and Drury, unfortunately, has suffered from migraines and double vision, and he's coming back. But I don't know where they're going to play him because he, he's been Wally Pipp by Andujar. Wow. And Neil Walker, who they signed Neil Walker, and he was going to, you know, that was everybody was drooling over that signing, and he's been horrible. And Glaber's there. So, you know, they got guys coming back, and there's there's no place to play them. I, I don't know what they're going to do. Wow. It's a good spot to be in. Yeah, it really sounds like the 1927 Yankees have merged with like the <laughs> 1946 Red Sox or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you're pulling I mean, all this their off. lineup is their lineup is phenomenal. It's it's really it's really good, and it's it's been as advertised after a slow after a slow start because of the cold or or whatever or poor spring training or something. But uh, they're starting to gel now, and it's coming together nicely. So John Carlos yeah. ho- home away splits are pretty interesting. Three twenty six, four twenty six oh five splits on the road, right? And at home, he's hitting one eighty two, two fifty seven on base. It's almost like he can't handle the New York nightlife. <laughs> That's predicted, right? Um, He's better well, off he in had Anaheim. The, he, <laughs> he had the problem with his furniture. Did you read it? Did you hear no, about this? Please tell me. Uh, there was a New York Times article where they talked to, and I, I can't. I should know his name. It's a horrible job by me. But Giancarlo rooms in New York. Lives in New York with a guy who's a reliever for the Mets. They played together on the Marlins. <laughs> He's a roommate. Oh yeah, they live together. Doesn't he yeah. make like thirty million dollars a year? Sure, sure, but they're buddies, and they're in the big city, and they, you know, whatever they, they feel comfortable, they want to live together. And so the guy for the Mets, I feel comfortable with you. I don't want to live with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe if we were twenty-seven in New York City, maybe we would have lived together. Then, I still you know? wouldn't have wanted to live t- with you. <laughs> Not if I was making thirty million dollars a year. You know how I live with myself. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to either. I don't quite understand it, but they're happy. And so the guy for the Mets had this article. He was interviewed by the New York Times, and he said, well, one of the reasons for Giancarlo's slow start was that they, he did not get his furniture delivered to their apartment. Oh. And that Giancarlo did not have time to watch film or talk with hitting coaches or practice because he was constantly on the phone with, I don't know, the furniture maker or the delivery company about getting his furniture, which... I was like, $30 million, does he not have an assistant? Is there nobody else that could call Ikea and say, like, where's the couch? Like, what's going on, Raymore Flanagan? Like, where's my chair? What's up with this? But he had to do that personally, and that was shaking him up, apparently. So yeah, I just I, shook my head at that. But I shouldn't have more help in my life than Giancarlo Stanton, who makes $30 million <laughs> a year. Nephew <laughs> Kyle, you should, just, you should just go, and you could be Stanton's personal dude. You can go be out with furniture guy. Go out with them on five on nights a week. Like a couple couches, yeah. Yeah, you could. That could be. All right, nephew <laughs> Kyle is sending his resume to the Stantons. 
Nice. So once he gets on board and he can track down his packages and things, it'll, you know, he'll be able to relax and, do, and really get into the groove. Do him and the Mets reliever, do they have like bunk beds and sleep in the same room? How does that work? <laughs> I, don't, they, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm curious about it now. That could be a good reality show, like Giancarlo and the other guy in the city, you know, like a real world type <laughs> the guy, deal. I don't the know. guy's going to go to sleep and Giancarlo puts the sock on the door, which means he has to wait outside until the girl leaves. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I, I know. I find the whole thing odd, too, but I don't know. Who knows? That Anytime I hear a reference to that, I think of our uh, our buddy Chip Kane from college. <laughs> his freshman year, his roommate immediately got a girlfriend, and the sock was on the door all the time, and Chip would be sitting outside the door, like, doing homework. Um, but he's, like, the nicest guy alive, and he'd be like, I want to tell him to fuck off, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be outside in a green bathrobe smoking cigarettes at like two in the morning and he couldn't go to bed in his own room. He'd just be lying in the hallway. Yeah. Oh man. Maybe that's what's happening to the Mets reliever. Who is the Mets reliever? <laughs> I don't know. Have somebody Google it. I, there was a story in the New York Times. The guy that used to play for the Marlins, now he plays for the Mets and he and Stanton live together. Maybe Stanton can hire Dylan Badant- Batantis as his uh, assistant <laughs> after he gets waived. It's a possibility. It's a possibility. He had he turned things around the other day, though. He had a really good uh, he had a really good inning on Thursday. I actually watched it because my unfortunately my daughter was sick at school, and uh, I had to go and pick her up because I was a little more flexible. And it worked out for me that the Yankees had a day game that day, so I, I watched that whole game. And Dylan uh, came up big, kept the game close, and that was like his first clean inning of the season. So maybe he's turned the corner. He seems like he's the number one possibility for you to turn on him on social media and. July and August this summer. I would say he's the the favorite in the clubhouse. I did tweet out the other day that I, last week I said, I hope he enjoys Scranton because he came in and (laughs) Yankees had a big lead and he made it much more interesting than it needed to be. I was watching. He's on my fantasy team. Yeah. He He couldn't couldn't control anything. He's got like, who who was the guy? Uh, Steve Trout or who was it? There was a guy in the majors that just couldn't throw strikes anymore. He looked yeah. like that. It was horrific. And um, but then the next outing, he turned it around. The, the difference is, I kind of as as miserable as he makes me, I kind of root for Batanzas. The, the guy that's the subject of my ire is is Sonny Gray, mm. because Sonny Gray, the Yankees traded prospects for him, and he was going to be the next great thing. They get him. He's a nibbler, which I hate. He throws all this junk. That's and like and Drew Pomeranz. Yeah, and it's he, hundred pitches after four innings. Exactly. And and then after the game, they talked to him after he got shelled a couple Fridays ago, the last game the Yankees lost to the um, Blue Jays, I believe it was. He gets shelled. He's horrible. And after the game, he's like, well, I feel good. So it's great. You know, my stuff is there. It's like he, he takes no responsibility. He doesn't seem to beat himself up. And Yankee fans are like pulling our hair out because he's so awful. So I despise Sonny Gray. I, I, I'd like him to turn the corner. As, it'll turn the corner and leave town to go to another team. He's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> he's, my, he's my Tyler Clifford of this year, Sonny Gray. I, I just can't stand him. Wow. And the other day I'm watching the game and, and it's Michael Kay and Paul O'Neill are doing the game. And, and and he left after like four innings. He couldn't make it enough to get a win. He threw like 104 pitches. He left guys on base that Chad Green had to come in and clean up. And Michael Kay's like, well, he pitched a lot better. They talk about him like a toddler or somebody who's on right. their fourth relapse. Like Jim's really turned the corner here. He's, you know, he's doing great. He's doing better. Down to three bottles of scotch before the breakfast. It's really an improvement. It's, they talk about Sonny Gray. He's a major league player, and he's horrible. 
Hey, the good the the good thing is you guys finally learned your lesson about uh, not to trade for a small market pitcher who never felt any pressure whatsoever and give up prospects. And oh wait, oh wait, this has happened a hundred times in Yankees history. Right. And then they got gun shy about doing it to Garrett Cole, and and I get tweets every day about Garrett Cole strikes out double digits again. It's, yeah. you know, and it's the first time since Walter Johnson. So he's my new Anthony Rizzo because of the time I made the joke about the Red Sox didn't give up anything for Adrian Gonzalez. Longtime listeners of the pod will remember. So I now have Anthony Rizzo and. Um, and Garrett Cole as the old takes exposed for Jacko. I'm going to I'm going to buy both their jerseys and have them framed and hung on my wall. There's way more than that for the old takes yeah, but exposed. Yeah, those are the two big ones. Yeah. And well, the Yankees probably I haven't I haven't looked but the Yankees probably face Garrett Cole when they face the Astros this week, so it will be fitting justice when he probably throws a one-hit nine-inning 15 strikeout game. Yeah, we have in the League of Dorks we wanted to get an Astro starter because we thought they were going to get 130 wins. And somehow we ended up with Dallas Keiko, who's going to go 11 and 14 on a team that's going to win 130 games. <laughs> he that, owns the Yankees, though. So he might Hey, I have a question. For you. Yeah. Do you think Rick Porcello can go 30 and 0? <laughs> if you had to guess. If I was betting money on it, I would bet against it. But anything's possible. Right now he's 4 and 0. Yeah. Um, he looks like, I mean, I thought he was good when he won the Cy Young, but now it's like, how many Cy Youngs can they give out in the same season? Could he <laughs> win like one, three Cy Youngs this year? He can't. I think, I think it's just, just one trophy. <laughs> wow. Wait, the one two. Talk about a roller coaster. So he, he won the Cy Young. And then last year, what did he lose? Like 40 games or something he was horrible last year. Right. <laughs> and now this year he's, he's back to old form. Maybe he's one of those every other year guys. Yeah, like the Giants or whatever. He's another even year guy, apparently. I like our one, two, three. Obviously, Sale is great. Mm-hmm. I I have been an Eduardo Rodriguez guy for three years, and he's really starting to show signs. Wait, and is that, he one of the? Is he one of the one, two, three? What about what about the two hundred and seventeen million dollar man? Isn't he the number two? I don't really have him in our one, two, three, Jenny. You, you do not. Interesting. Wow. I do if if we're playing uh if we're playing Kansas City in July, I feel I'm feeling great. Yeah. If it's uh if it's the Yankees at Fenway on a Friday night, not feeling as good. No, you're not don't feeling love that, as huh? good at all. Or the or the Angels on a Sunday night ESPN game. Not as not as confident, maybe. But <laughs> but if it's if it's, you know, Detroit in June, yeah. forty degree weather. Um, actually he can't really pitch in cold weather. No, he's like the cold. Like, yeah. his problem against the Yankees. He couldn't had problems feeling the ball or something. It's always right? good to have a, he doesn't like the cold guy when you're in Massachusetts. It's yeah. what you're looking for. When the, when, when the key, key month of the season is October. You definitely say, want that guy who like cold weather. Tends to be chilly in Boston in October. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, uh, I like the one, two, three. Bogarts is back. Yeah. Hall the, of Famer. They've decided to dedicate the rest of the season to uh, Christian Vasquez, who died apparently last winter. <laughs> Not sure what happened to him. And then the big, the biggest, the biggest struggle for me, and the thing that hurts the most about what's been a very fun Red Sox season so far, and very enjoyable, and I like this team, and I think it's the best team in a couple of years, is Ben Attende. Just, yeah. just he cut his hair. I don't know why he cut his hair. I don't know who uh, advised him on this. He looks like a different guy. I've had trouble recognizing him for the first month. Although then I eventually recognize him when he has a terrible at bat and either strikes out or hits a slow grounder to second. 
And uh, he's just completely murdered them this season. And it's the classic sophomore, just, I don't know why this always happens. It's the classic uh, I, second year I, things go downhill thing. Every time I see him or look at his stats, I, I think about Nesson last year before every game, they would run this Red Sox montage of their, their opening for the game. And there was something in spring training where Tom Karen was like, they say he's going to be rookie of the year about Ben and and they played it all year long. Right. So every time I see Ben and I think of that clip plays in my head. He's going to be rookie of the year. He, no, he's not going to be rookie of the year. He's horrible. Well, he's now he's he's slumping. The the problem is his like if you look at his actual stats, if you just look at the basic stats that we looked at when we were growing up, he's not having that bad of a season. But you kind of have to watch the team. Does he like, only have one home run? Yeah, he's got the. Uh, he's a corner outfielder with one home run. He's got the eighteen strikeouts and one home run ratio going right now. Yeah, that's not great, right? And the uh, yeah, but it's just. I don't trust him when he's up with guys on base. And last year, I actually trusted him. I thought he would have good at bats. You so. have a lot of you have a lot of like automatic outs in that lineup. Hall of Famer Jackie Bradley Jr. is not really setting the world on fire. Well, he's he's been horrendous, and he and that dated back to the the uh, stretch of last year. The thing is, Hanley's hitting this year. And yeah, the Hanley JD is totally helped Hanley Ramirez. He totally did. And then speaking Mo- of guys Mookie that, is hitting speaking too. Speaking of guys that should probably pee in a cup, I'd like uh, to see some. Of, I'd like to see some of Hanley's test results. Myself, nah, but, he's uh, happier. Hanley, yeah, when happy. Hanley's happy, he produces. They mm. like the manager. The manager's good, uh, right? Because because the, the inmates run the asylum, right? No, because because Pedroia is going to come back and be the manager. Effectively, he's going to tell Alex Cora what the lineup is and what 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 to do. I can't wait till he comes in and just it just destroys everything. That's my prediction. We had a PD Roya is going to come back. Hey, and he's going to run the show. You should There's no question about it. Why don't you wait until Didi Gregorius's first test comes back from last <laughs> month before you start casting aspersions on on Mister Pedroia? Yeah. <laughs> I think the best thing that's happened to this team is that they don't have a corpse managing it this year. That helps probably. We had the yeah. corpse John Farrell last year, who was like just getting propped up like a mannequin. He was I'm like, "Are Alex, you watching I'll Jersey Shore?" Uh, well, I've DVR'd it. I've I've seen. Bits they brought and pieces, a. They brought a. Really... Sammy Sweetheart wouldn't be on the show this year, and they right. brought us a, a two hundred pound Sammy Sweetheart mannequin that they dressed that. and they talked to. And I was like, this is great. I, I lost John Farrell's mannequin and now I have Sammy's sweetheart. So I'm, I'm glad I'm able to roll it along in 2018. Jersey Shore is off the charts all time. I had no I had no idea it was going to be this good. It seemed like one of the worst ideas of all time. And uh, Ronnie has taken it to 17 other levels. Ronnie's like my worst nightmare for nephew Kyle. Like, cause I don't know what nephew Kyle's really up to on the weekends. And my worst nightmare for it is whatever Ronnie is doing this season. And then, uh, and then the situation who doesn't drink anymore and who might be headed to jail right. has been, he's like a car that's been stripped down of all of his parts. <laughs> it's just a skeleton of a car. He's no personality. All he really offers is he goes, it feels like it's going to be a situation, but he's not in the situation cause he's right. not he fun in any way. Situations. Right. And then Snooky, who had kids and who was looking at this one month as like, I'm going to get out all my frustrations of being trapped at home with kids. Right. I'm telling you, Johnny, thumbs up. Great, great theater. Really well, great. You know what happened at my house? My, my wife and I were watching something a week or two ago, and something that was DVR'd. And when it ended, it went back to our list of DVR'd shows. And my wife goes, are you taping the Jersey Shore? <laughs> 
And I was like, yes, yes, I am. I'm, I'm, I, I am going to be 48 years old, and yes, I am taping the Jersey Shore. Well, it, was kind of a, it was kind of a low moment. Her look to me was not a good one. Well, so we're the same age as the people. I have to watch it surreptitiously, and uh, I haven't really had a chance to devote as much time as I would like to it. Surreptitiously, great word. Well, we're the same age as everyone on the Jersey Shore, so don't feel... <laughs> Don't feel too bad. Makes me feel a little better. Yeah. And don't think uh, the Simmons family isn't watching X on the Beach either on MTV. Fantastic. Uh, I, saw, I saw a preview for that. Fantastic. Yeah. They took basically all the crazy people who are on all of these other shows who just want to hook up and threw them on a on a show together with their exes. Smart. Really great. Although I still wonder this, why they, we should get credits for this though. Because we should. We said years ago that. Well, they should have a real world of all the people that were kicked out of the real world house. Yeah. Like just Puck and whoever the other people yeah. were, anybody that was kicked out of the real world. Like, tell me that wouldn't be appointment television. The, we were we, so ahead of the curve on that. We listen, we've been ahead of a curve on a lot of things. One of them was the fact that we always insisted Mike Francesa was coming back to the fan. <laughs> and that's, that actually happened. It caused a riot. Everyone's so angry in New York. They oh, feel it's like unbelievable. He, it's one of the best media stories in a while. Obviously, people know where I stand and you stand. But right. the funniest thing is that everybody's outraged that they're getting rid of the drive time show. Right. Which had Bart Scott on it, who openly admitted that he didn't watch baseball until last December. Openly right. admitted it. He's like, I'm catching up. It's not that hard. These are just professional athletes. I'm used to studying professional athletes. It's like, you. so you never follow baseball <laughs> until December? You're going to be at a drive-time radio show? <laughs> During well, this could- August, like June, July, August, September, October is just all baseball, basically? Well, the good thing is New York's not really a baseball town. So, <laughs> you know, not like you really need to know it. <laughs> they'd much rather hear you talk about they'd much rather hear you talk about Giants minicamp in July than the you know, Yanks race or anything. So I, <laughs> I can't think of a harder sport to catch up to late in your life and try to figure out in the fly than baseball. A sport that is so boring that we have to just go backwards all the time and compare things right. that are happening History now to stuff. things from a hundred years ago. And right. say this guy reminds me of this guy. That's like all of following baseball. I mean, the the funny thing about this is, is the Francesca thing is is now that show has been elevated. The show he's replacing, and they've all become martyrs, and it's like a martyrdom. And when I read all the the New York press about it, and you know, be it the be it film film Mister Sunshine Mushnick in the New York Post who hates everything on the planet, yeah, um, you know, or or the or Raceman in the Daily News, it's like they've elevated this show like it was the height of radio and wasn't given a chance to succeed. If it was working, the suits at the fan would have told Francesca to get lost. Right. So they've had four months, and it's it's horrific. It's unlistenable, and and so of course they're going to take it. You're going to jump when the previous guy comes back, and it, it's amazed me to the extent that he's been made to be this villain in this. Yeah. Well, it's a little. I mean, it's a. I love Francesca, but it's a little right. villainous. He, he did well, a whole retirement tour, and then was just like, "I'm back." And not only like burned bridges, but nuked bridges behind him. I, I get all that. But, I fully support it. Team Francesa. The, the guy was the king of New York, you know, media along with the Mad Dog, New York Sports Radio for thirty years. Yeah, made the station a mint. The station literally would not exist without him. Yeah, because especially after they lost the guy in the morning who got arrested, and they and they, you know, I miss left and everything else under bad circumstances. So the station was flailing and then Francesca leaves and they have, they have no top talent. They're losing the Michael K show in the afternoon. Yeah. 
And, you know, I, I think Francis's mistake was leaving and then, you know, he, he played it up like he was going to have these grand plans that was going to revolutionize, you know, podcasting or sports radio or what have you, only to come back to the station in four months. It's, it's not a great look. I'm not going to lie to you. Not great. Um, I like it. It looks, a little, looks a little... It looks a little rough, but I mean, the station, now whether he did it through Chernoff, who's the GM, or whether he went above his head to some corporate guys, if you're the station and you're like, this guy can come back, it's going to generate massive publicity, and we're going to make a mint again. I mean, why would you not do that? And if he's willing to swallow his pride to come back and do it, I mean, I don't know. I guess he just doesn't care, but, you know, like everybody at the station despises him. Well, I don't Every think he, show they've been openly bashing him. It's which is unbelievable to me. It's like a it's like a Seinfeld episode. It's you know it's great theater though. And it really it's is. It's going to help the ratings for all the shows. And he comes back. We're taping this on a Monday. He comes back on Tuesday. I right. think I. It's weird. I, I people always thought I'd negotiated with him or talked to him or anything. We never talked about his career plans. He never. He was very close to the vest because I was like, I, if you want my advice on digital stuff, I'm happy to help you. And mm-hmm. he just never. We never really had a conversation about it. The one thing that I heard, and I don't know if it's true or not, but it makes sense, is that he was going to leave the fan and buy some other AM station. And, and just run it as his own. And like hey, he had financial backing and he was going to be the drive time show for it and basically create this third sports talk station that mm-hmm. he was going to be the focal point of. And I, by the way, I did not hear that from him and I've never asked him about it. And I don't even know if it's true, but it makes sense. Like if, if you have that yeah. piece, if I'm just a detective trying to figure out what happened here, it makes sense that he would have been thinking that way. And I know that like the, the only things I really did talk to him about was he just was like, I want to do more than have a radio show. I want to try stuff. I want to get in the digital space, try all these things. So it seems like right. he, he used the leverage that he had. He's working less hours on the fan. Now it's like three to seven, right? Three to six yeah. 30. He's making less money. He's working fewer hours. Yeah. We're fewer hours, but he's got this, uh, the Sunday thing is going to be digital only. And maybe he'll get, be yeah. able to sell stuff from that and live shows and things like that. CA is involved. And, uh, maybe that makes more sense. Can we go back to the Bart Scott thing for one second? Yeah. This is from late December. Um, these are some of his quotes to me, football and basketball are like breathing. I've watched it my entire life. In baseball, I'm going to struggle with that. It's up for me to do the research and do my due diligence. And then he said, uh, then the writer says, Scott said he views the challenge as no different from coming out of a non-major program and having to get himself up to speed against NFL competition. He said, I look at it the same way. It's baseball. It just means I have to pay attention to it. That's all. It's all in the details. I'll get the details cleaned up. (laughs) Scott, you're a drive-time host in New York. Well, I heard him. I, I amazing. Gave this, this is an amazing I misfire. Brief, I gave this show a brief chance. I tried to listen to it in December when it started up, and that was when they had an they had an interview with Eli Manning because he did a regular spot with Francesa, and he must have been contractually obligated to continue it after Francesa retired. And so they were doing this interview with Eli and they're like, you know, basically they thought this could be Eli's last interview because they didn't know what was going to happen in the off season, if the Giants were going to release him or whatever. And so they do this interview and Bart Scott says, you know, Eli, I, I just want to say thanks. It's It's been great sharing this city with you. 
I was like, well, does Bart Scott think like he's like equal to Eli Manning in New York City? Well, he might like, be. It was like it was like Jeter's town, or you know, even Porzingis or Eli's town, and Bart Scott's town. Like Bart what? Scott. It's Bart Scott's town. <laughs> Bart Scott's town. Bart Scott's not in the top 500 people that run New York City. Are you kidding the me? The thing is, if they, what they what they should have done, I don't know why they did it the way they did it. And it was one of those things when I saw what they did, I was like, wow, those seem like three people who wouldn't hang out together. But right. Um, but what they could have done is is had Carlin and Maggie Gray together and yeah. then had the third seat be multiple people. And it's like, right, if it's a football season. day, yeah, it's Bart Scott for football. And then if it's, if it's baseball, then you have this person. And if it's basketball, you have this person. And I actually think that might've worked. Yeah. But you can't have the thing with, with sports radio and especially drive time is you have to know everything about everything. You can't. And the reality is those were huge shoes. I mean, it's like the guy that followed Lombardi. You're always going to have enough yeah, it's time tough. being the, the guy after the guy or the person after the guy. So that was always going to be tough. And then they just threw these three people together with, you know, probably no natural chemistry and expected it to work. And, you know, if it was a wild eyed success, they would have gotten rid of Francesa and said, thanks, but no thanks. So obviously it tells you everything you need to know, but their martyrdom has been interesting to me. And just the the level of vitriol has been interesting to me. Boomer Esiason's outraged. Yeah. He's so mad. It's, yeah, he's really fired up and like, yeah, boomer size and take it easy. Are you kidding me? Like uh, that just is ridiculous to me. It's like that so, old Chris Rock, the old Chris Rock joke of the last time I saw this many white people mad, I, they, it was when they canceled MASH. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for Francesa though. Like, you know, they're going to have office parties, like a birthday cake for a secretary and he's not going to get invited or he'll come in and it'll be like the needle going across the record and just, you know, scratching it, just dead silence, <laughs> anger. He doesn't care though. He's just going to parachute in there, you know, with his driver and then he's going to do the show and own the city and then he's going to leave. So it's going to be like when I went back to Bristol in 2014. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a record scratch. I don't care what Boomer thinks. I I got Minko. It's just, it's just, I gotta be so uncomfortable. I don't know how you would do it, but I love that. Chris Russo had some good stuff this week. He, I've actually, I actually listened to it when he talked about it right after the, uh, I made it a point to listen to the beginning of his show when he talked about Francesca's return and he's like, Hey, you look like a horse's fanny. <laughs> <laughs> and then I can't believe he hasn't gotten more grief for this. He did this big thing about how it wasn't the right time for Francesca to retire because he has young kids. And he's like, he can't do anything. He's like, you can't go to the Kentucky Derby. You can't go out to Pebble Beach because you got kids. You got young kids that are in school, so you just can't do anything. And he goes, and he quoted some other guy who who I forget who it was, but some other media personality. And the other guy said, well, my weekend starts at 9 a.m. on Monday because that's when I go to work. And Russo's like, same thing for me. Like, I go to work. And you know, he's like, if my kids they have a math test, that's on Jeannie, his wife. Or if they have a doctor's appointment, that's all on Jeannie. Like in 2018, Russo is like, like basically barely knows his kids' names <laughs> and that's all on his wife so he can go to work and make money for them. I like so unbelie- unbelievable job by Russo. I couldn't believe. Didn't he try to compare it to when a, a, a great athlete retires and then they're home with their family and then they're... they're <laughs> yeah, they realize they hate their family. <laughs> it's like when Red Favre retired. Red Favre, like, he didn't want to be around his family. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't want to be around them. 
Right. So he's like, Francesca retired. He's home with his kids. And the kids are like, Dad, come to my Little League game. And Francesca wants to be on the radio talking about Saquon Barkley, you know, getting picked or the Yankees lineup or what Boone did in the seventh inning. And he's got yeah. his wife saying, can you take Jeannie, you know, take Susie yeah. to the doctor? You have to be at the at the dance recital at five, Mike. Five o'clock right. sharp. He's like, uh, he's like uh, gonna, get me out of here. I'm calling it. I'll take a, I'll take, <laughs> cut my pay in half. I can't watch another music lesson. Not Mike, did you more. pick up the laundry? I told you. Uh, <laughs> I got to get out of this. <laughs> I mean, that really has to be driving him nuts. And he said that, not not the kid thing, but what, he, has no, he has no platform to talk about things. Like he's home watching a game all weekend and dissecting it. And he, he's sitting at breakfast, like breaking it down for his wife. And she's probably just like rolling her eyes, you know, <laughs> like he wants to be on the air and have a platform to talk about it had to be driving them nuts with the Giants with the number two pick in the draft and the Jets having the number three pick. Oh, my pick. God. Who are they going to pick in football? You know, which quarterback? You know, the whole thing. He would have, like, gone over that for two months. The Yankees having a great lineup, you know. They start off cold. He could have been murdering Boone, and now they're yeah, red he, hot. He, he picked a bad time wagon. to go away. Yeah, it, they, it really is like, it wasn't like a dull time in New York sports, you know, so that had to be really killing him. I had him on... I don't know, two, three weeks ago. And he was so ready to go. And we are just talking about everything. We're talking MVP and Tiger and um, all that stuff. And he was, you could just tell he was home with his wife at like 7.30, getting the kids ready. And she's like, Mike, where's the half and half? He's like, here's the thing about Tiger. (laughs) (laughs) Starting arguments with her. Exactly. If Sam Donald goes to two, the Giants got to take him, right? (laughs) (laughs) The six-year-old kid looking at him. Right. So I'm glad he's back. Crazy. He, listen, Absolutely. the world's a be better phenomenal. place with him having a radio show. It just is. And, and make people cannot like home. it. It's going to make my drive home a lot better. It's going to be, you know, it'll be entertaining as hell. The awkwardness is going to be entertaining as hell. And the the backhanded sniping in the newspapers will be interesting. And he's there for a Yanks run here in the summer and into the fall, let's hope. So it's all good. I think tomorrow is must appointment listening. Yeah, oh, I can't even yeah. imagine how he attacks everything that's happened here. Well, he's he, like, what I have he's some things do, to say. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna be mad about Carlin because I happened to watch. I DVR'd the high heat when he was on with Mad Dog, and they did this jokey thing at the end about which was really instigated by Mad Dog or Mad Dog sidekick who was reading tweets and said, what's more likely a raise Marlins World Series this year or are you guys working together on the fan? And they started, you know, banging on the fan. And then I guess Carlin sent them a snotty text. So I think that got Francis's backup too, that like, you know, he they poked the bear yeah. and the bear didn't like it. And the bear was looking to come back anyway. And that was the, you know, the, the straw that broke the camel's back or the, the final match that lit the flame to get it going. So he, I think he's going to come back and then, you know, probably murder Boomer and Carlin and their show <laughs> unless management's told them to make nice. But um, he was he was watching know. Shooter with Mark Wahlberg when Mark Wahlberg said he was done and they came back <laughs> to get him to do one last job. He's like, I kind of feel like Mark Wahlberg and Shooter. <laughs> He's going to go with I got one last job. Godfather 3. <laughs> I thought I was out, but they pulled me back in. I got one last job. My last job <laughs> is to be number one again. The Michael Cavers Francesa is great. Yeah, it's a good battle. A good I'm surprised Francesca's doing the, I feel it, it's kind of condescending though. I'm sorry, Michael K doing the condescending. I just feel bad for those guys. Meanwhile, he's like killing them in the ratings. Right. Right. I just feel, well, I've, you know, that's not enough time. And he's probably deep down, like punching the wall that he doesn't have three more ratings books. Right. To establish his dominance. Win. 
Because, I mean, you know, the the first show for Princess is going to be, like you say, it's appointment listening, so it's going to kill on the ratings. And for sure, you know, for soon thereafter, he's, everybody's going to be listening to him to see what he's going to say. He's got four bunches of stuff stored up that he's got to get off his chest, so. Johnny, look forward to my return tomorrow. <laughs> Absolutely, Mike. <laughs> It'll be great. You think, who's who's more relieved, Mike or his wife? <laughs> They're both happy. They're both happy. It's got to be great. The happiest guy is the driver that drives him back into the city again. He got rehired. Julio or whatever. That's good. Oh, good that, oh yeah, yeah. Julio. Well, I might uh, I might go on this week. I'm I'm fired up for Mike. I'm glad he's back. And, uh, nice. and if this is if this is now turf war, you know what turf side I'm on. Absolutely. Yeah. Johnny. Absolutely. Good luck. Good luck with the Didi Gregorius drug test. And uh, we'll talk <laughs> to you soon. All right. Take it easy. All right. Bye. bye. All right, thanks to House, thanks to Jacko, thanks to ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire my listeners. Can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Thanks again to SeatGeek. Don't forget $20 off your first order. Just download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. Thanks to Gillette. Gillette offers a variety of shaving products for every guy, regardless of his personal style, skin needs, or budget. And whether you want three blades or five, the new Gillette 3 and Gillette 5 razors have you covered all under $10. High performance, low price. Get Gillette Performance delivered to your door. Find Gillette 5 at ondemand.gillette.com. Subscribe today. And if you love NFL, Ringer NFL show today and tomorrow, recapping a doozy of an NFL draft. I'm really excited about the Braxton Barrios era, just in case you're wondering. Anyway, good luck to the Celts tonight. Good luck to my dad. Be nice to him if you see him in the uh, arena. And we'll be back later in the week with more BS Podcasts. Until then. I